listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to... Our first in-season Thursday night safe space of the year. No footy on this evening, which is a little sad for some. And hence, we have moved back from Wednesday nights to our traditional Thursday night time slot. My name's Andrew Weiss. I will be chairing the panel and hosting the space for this evening Certainly in the absence, with a humble apology from our great leader, Ash, who won't be joining us this evening. But rest assured, it's because he's deep in preparations for something special that we've got planned tomorrow that should be hitting the Insider's Substack over the next couple of days. So keep your eye out for that one. Uh, plenty to get through this evening. Please, as always, we want to make this as interactive as possible. So make sure that you um, hit your mic button, hit your hand up button, uh, get in there with a request. Uh, one of your humble hosts this evening will get you on uh, and we want you to join in the conversation. Speaking of humble hosts, uh, co-host for this evening who will be uh, pressing that button when you want to have a chat with us. Danny Prins, welcome. Good evening. Good evening, we see. I'm feeling absolutely flushed with power with the con- the controls on who can speak and who can't tonight, uh, but really looking forward to being back. It just feels right to be back on Thursday nights with our safe space and uh, really, really looking forward to having a chat to everyone tonight. Indeed. Uh, let's make sure that... Uh... We all let Danny know if he's doing a good job of that button pressing. Uh, we might have to get Ash back in and, and take that power away. So don't abuse it. Uh, and maybe we'll, uh, like we do with the player ratings, we'll get some listener ratings on how you perform tonight, Prinzy. Uh, Darren Levine, good evening as always to you. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling good after an honourable loss. It's just the way I want to have every weekend. So, yeah, good good to hear you back from Adelaide, alive and well, Weesey. How was the how was the drive back? Uh, I was pretty good. 13-year-old in the car with you for eight and a half hours plus stops. Uh, so it certainly had its up and down moments. I, I wish... I wish I had the powers of Prinzy and had a mute button every now and then, but um, <laughs> no, it was an, an incredible trip, and I'll certainly discuss um, some of the some of the trip and what it was like to be over at Gather Round uh, as we get through our recap for uh, the round that was and the GWS game before we even get anywhere near that. Uh, Brad Klebanski, good evening to you. Evening, Wacey. Evening, all. Much better performance on the weekend. So, looking forward, you know, to giving everyone my thoughts. A bit of a change this evening, I think. You must be very happy to get back into Thursday night selection as well. That's your traditional. This is this is your night to shine. Thursday night selection night. 
It is. I found it really difficult this week, so I'm hoping our Hawks insiders can assist because uh, we'll go through, obviously, the team's three players in, no one out, yes, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Sam and the committee go with this week. Absolutely. Well, we will cover that as well as a whole host of other things throughout the evening. Again, just a reminder, please jump in at any point. We'll get you on. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to make it all about everyone in this chat. Um, So please make sure you hit us up. So looking back at last weekend, uh, gather round over in Adelaide and we got to take on the GWS Giants. As Daz mentioned, and he's been hanging out to use it as many times as he can in our match recap, an honourable loss, which is what we've been searching for and we got, albeit obviously we've been searching for wins, but if we're going to lose, we want them to be honourable. Scores for the game, GWS 10-17-77, defeated us 11-9-75. Giants obviously had their opportunities to put us away in the last quarter and didn't. Uh, We all know about Harry Himmelberg. He had that enormous mark in the final final couple of minutes of the game. It was an absolute specky. It was a classic specky. Kicked the goal and managed to get down the other end to touch Jars's flying shot from 50 with only a few seconds left on the clock. Um, but it was, it was the four-quarter performance that we've been missing and that we were certainly after. Um, and it was a third-quarter performance that we were after as well when after GWS kicked the first goal of the third quarter, the second half, we managed to kick four unanswered goals to the three-quarter time siren to be right in it until the last kick of the game. So to get things started this weekend, uh, looking at last weekend, um, as always, we've got the good and the bad. And just to keep everyone on their toes and make you understand that well, Brad's Brad's a human too, and he does actually have uh, have some some love emotion deep inside of him. Brad, uh, we're giving you the good. Talk us through the good that came out of the game against the Giants. Very surprising that I get the good this week, but I'll take it. Lots of positives. Uh, we'll start with the debutant in Seamus Mitchell. Excellent first game, seventeen touches was even trust, you know, Sammy put him down back to take some of the kickouts. I thought he showed he belonged, so hopefully he gets another game. I think he's named in the starting 18 this week, I hope, so I think he'll play. Ned Long, very good game, kicked his first goal. Everyone got around him, was great to see. I hope he gets another crack at it this week. Fergus Green, three goals straight, now has eight goals, our equal uh, leader this year goals. Replaced Jack Gunston brilliantly. He presented well all game. Works really hard. Beautiful shot for goal. So he's turning out to be an absolute bargain baseman and an excellent pickup by the list management team, which was really good. Uh, Ned Reeves decided to take more than one mark in a game, which was good to see. He took four in the first half. Unfortunately, he didn't take a mark in the second half and only had the three disposals, but we'll talk about that later. So that was good to see. Uh, the back line looked better. DGB was serviceable. I think he needs to stay in the side, although he wasn't great. 
Uh, he did a few nice things. Uh, still needs to put on a lot of size, but it was good to see him get a run. That was really nice. Uh, Amon had a really good game, kicked a couple of goals. Uh, the midfield was brilliant. Last but not least, Connor Nash, best game for the club. 31 touches, nine tackles, and was given a bit of a run with roll with Tom Green in the second half and comprehensively beat him, had a brilliant game. I was shocked, as I think Daz and a few others were, that he didn't even get a coach's vote, and Ned Reeve somehow got one coach's vote. But I thought Connor Nash was absolutely brilliant, and without Finn McGuinness in the side, we've said for a while we can't play both of those two in the same side, and Finn's actually been named on the extended bench this week. As we all know, last year he did tag Jordan Dawson when Dawson was playing on the half-back line. Jordan Dawson now is a midfielder and arguably the most informed player in the competition. So I would stick with Connor Nash and give him that role. I hope I like Finn McGuinness, but I just I don't think he deserves to be in the side at the moment. So we'll see the way Sam goes. But overall, a lot of positives. We could have won that game. We probably should have won the game in the end. MP was very unlucky, but we take it, as Daz said, an honourable loss isn't always a bad loss. For sure. Brad, one more positive I want you to talk about, uh, obviously because we're going to get to selection and someone who was named on the ball this week, Ned Long. Uh, let's let's talk about the positive of, of Ned Long uh, from the weekend. Oh, he was he was really good. Like, he showed he uh, belonged. You know, we see he can play it as a midfielder, can play in the forward line as well. He's got a bigger body which is really good. You know, he uh, compliments, you know, some of the, I guess, smaller guys in um, uh, McKenzie, McDonald, uh, Jai, who's obviously strong, but he's not that tall and big. Long's got the height, which is really good. Um, Warple also had a pretty good game. He had 30-plus touches. I think he even had 35 touches. Jai probably had his best game for the season. But Ned Long, there is a spot there for him at the moment. I think it was between him and uh, Cooper Stevens. Uh, unfortunately, Cooper had a concussion early on in the season, so I think he's still struggling um, to get 100% fit. But Ned Long earned his spot in the seniors after a couple of really positive performances for Box Hill. And I hope he gets a good run at it because it provides something at a little uh, different. So, yeah, really, really good performance by Ned. We saw him in the back half of last year. He played a couple of games and actually did pretty well. So, uh, I think he's a bit of a smoky for one to watch. I think he'll get a run at it a couple of games in a row now at least. Yeah, really like him. I think it was very unfortunate Ned was played as a decoy up forward and that changed things. Though he did kick that wonderful goal with the bounce in the last quarter, which was brilliant, brilliant to see. So thank you for that, Brad. And, and as everyone hopefully now understands that Brad can play the good guy, not just the bad guy and... Uh, he will be singing the song loudly with us when the next lot of premierships come. There is no doubt about that. Uh, now, Daz, we've got you down to talk about the bad and, you know, honourable losses are one thing, but uh, I'm sure you've got plenty that you want to talk about that you weren't happy with on the weekend. Uh, not plenty, but um, top of the agenda is the lacerated tongue and um i ha- had the misfortune of googling lacerated tongue to add an image to our um re- recap pod 
And let me tell you, there are <laughs> things that I can never unsee. So a word to the wise, if anyone is listening in, do not ever Google search lacerated tongue unless you're a tongue doctor or uh, watch hospital emergency shows, but I'm extremely squeamish. So managed to get a uh, medical illustration into the recap because that's, a, I, I just, I think we would have probably lost, lost half of our readership if I had actually put the image in. So thoughts with Chad, it's, it's been a really, really difficult start to the year. What's new? Um, and, you know, it's just, when is Chad going to get going? Uh, it's miserable luck for him and, and, and I really feel, real, really feel for him. And, you know, I, I think the prognosis is pretty good and he may come back into the side even, um, you know, next week. I, I think he's, he's missing out this week. But, yeah, it's, it must be really frustrating for him. Just can't seem to get going. So, Chad, I guess, you know, th- there was a bit of talk in the, in the recap piece about CJ's form. Um, I think he's doing enough to retain his spot. I think he, I think he just he does a lot of a little one percenters. Uh, Chad's been named in the side, has he? Okay, um, he yeah. has. He's been named in a forward pocket and apparently trained um, this week. But there are eight there are eight named on the interchange bench, and and we always generally take a few extras down to Launceston, so. Yeah. Oh, I think you kind of take the team namings, as we'll get into with Brad in a little while, with, with a grain of salt, really. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully they don't target the target the tongue. The tongue. They're the Adelaide <laughs> players and <laughs> show, show a bit of respect to Chad. But um, I don't even know. Do, does he have to wear some kind of a, a splint? <laughs> it's the most, right. the most peculiar uh, injury ever. Oh, look, I'll shut up about it. A CJ question marks on his form. I think he just needs to be that threat out of half back. And I think we're seeing a lot of one percenters. We're seeing a lot of the basic stuff done well. And, and now I feel like I want the old CJ back a, a bit more chaos ball from CJ. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously losing is pretty disappointing and the manner in which we lost, I think really shows a stark difference between a side that has two key forwards that can clunk a mark and, the side that has, you know, a second gamer who's a, mid, a big-bodied mid, midfielder playing in the forward line in, in the final quarter. So, really, our forward, uh, our forward depth is uh, and forward stocks are a real, a real problem. They really are. Obviously, we talked about long, but it just begs the question how good we could be with Mitch Lewis in the side. It, it would just put a totally... A different spin on it altogether, and um, it was interesting talking about it with Ash throughout the game at the venue around um, what that actually means for Cosy, regardless of Box Hill, uh, his Box Hill form, and he's always going to be a better player when he's the foil as the second or third, and and also the knock on for Fergus Green as well, who's having to take on such a load, but. Um, it's clear that he should be playing a Jack Gunston higher half forward, um, third forward role. So um, definitely issues with our forward line. Uh, I think that's pretty plain for everyone to see. Before I talk about uh, the experience over in Adelaide, Prinzi, want to ask you, um, AFL has come out and announced another uh, three 
years for Gather Round being in Adelaide. Um, obviously, we know that the Hawks have requested for Norwood to be a base, but um, there's there's certainly talk about the Barossa hosting a game. Certainly the discussions before the game uh, and speaking to some locals during the captain's run, um, the notion that was that there are some much better venues than Norwood, and I certainly don't know the the venues in Adelaide that well, but there were much better venues, but a priority for the AFL was that no venues with turf cricket pitches, uh, given the proximity of the season, were to be used, which is what put Norwood up the top um, of the agenda, but... Uh, obviously, we have put in to try and make Norwood a home away from home and and want that to be part of our gather round in the future. Uh, Prinzi, how did you see the round? Did you see it uh, as a success, failure? Um, having watched it from Melbourne, would you want to go in future years? What are your thoughts on, on the whole side of things? Yeah, well, firstly, um, that your theory passes the smell test about the turf wickets because there's no way Norwood would host a cricket game. Imagine the run scored to the short boundaries on either side of the centre wicket. Like, it'd be it'd be ridiculous scores. But, um, look, to be honest, I sat there the whole time over Gather Round, incredibly jealous of you and Ash and everybody else that managed to make it happen uh, this year, I was, I, as you know, we see, I was, tr- I tried to make it happen, and just uh, finances were a little bit tight this year, so couldn't couldn't make it work. But um, yeah, no, absolutely, I'm I'm really keen to get down there um, next year, and um, you know, who knows if you can be bothered going again, we might even do uh, a Hawks Insiders live session in uh, in Adelaide or something like that. I think um, it'll be it'll be really cool, and I think this the you could sort of really feel um, the vibe of of the community aspect of Gather Round. I think that was probably the coolest part that that we could see, you know, the the live sites and all of that sort of thing. I think Adelaide did a great job. And I think the best thing is they did a great job for their first crack with nothing, sort of like building it from scratch. So they'll just take what they did and build on it and build on it and build on it. So in, in, you know, two or three years, it's going to be unreal. It really is because they've made so much money from it now, the AFL, that they'll invest more in it to make more next year. And um, I think, you know, the more they invest, the better the product, the better the, the return on their investment. So, um, yeah, really, really jealous of, of UEC and, uh, and everybody that got to go. Um, I know, you know, we've got, I've got a couple of uh, guys that I uh, message on Twitter a lot. Um, Nick, who's listening, uh, Adelaide local, um, was buzzing all weekend. I know that, you know, getting out to the uh, training session, getting out to the game um, and just, you know, being how good for our Adelaide supporters um, to be able to do that uh, and have that um, for them in their, in their hometown. I reckon that's, uh, I reckon it's grouse. Um, absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, I'll... I completely agree with and echo most of your sentiment. Before I get in, Daz, you've got your hand up. You've got some thoughts on it. Oh, I, I was going to say it, what was really obvious to me from watching the game was just how vocal that Adelaide contingent uh, was, and 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 you know the 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 South Australian Hawthorne supporters are, were first class. I 
I love, you know, they were, they were so loud on the telecast. And we see, I'd just love to hear your thoughts on, on that experience on, on the ground because it was so obvious on the telecast. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd, I've never seen footy at Glen Ferry Oval and, and certainly Ash was talking about the likeness. Um, and I'll get to um, the actual viewing experience itself. But we knew straight away as soon as we got there that it was an absolute Hawthorne crowd. So managed to go to four games throughout the weekend, three others. One was the doubleheader um, Melbourne Essendon into Port Adelaide Bulldogs at Adelaide Oval. Um, each game, the, the games were after three quarters full because people either left or came. Um, went to the Sydney... Um, Richmond game on Friday night, but that was also full of fans from every club, which was fantastic, but it didn't necessarily make it a hostile atmosphere for either of those clubs. The beauty of playing at Norwood on Sunday was there was a double header at Adelaide Oval on Sunday. So you either had the, the supporters of those four teams at Adelaide Oval you had any random supporters who were still in town and wanted to go to more games going to that double. And of the 9,000 people that were at uh, Norwood, take away the 100 Giants fans from, from their cheer squad at one end and maybe, you know, you could randomly say 1,000 others that were there to attend. Uh, it effectively means 80 to 90% of the crowd were Hawthorne supporters and you knew that walking around everywhere, seeing everyone in brown and gold, the buzz, the silence when, you know, GWS were kicking goals, the, um, the, uh, the, the way we were reacting to the positives from our team. It was just um, that the atmosphere that created was absolutely fantastic. So um, in terms of just going back to something you mentioned, Prinzi, I think that next year will be massive as well. Clearly, I think every game will sell out. It'll be buzzing again because all of the people that would have liked to have gone that didn't or weren't sure or will see that it's worked and say, you know, this is my interstate trip or this is where we're going to go away. And um, I I don't think there are any problems for next year. Uh, the question will be the couple of years after how many of the people from years one and two will go, you know, like me, for example, Ethan, and I, I try to take Ethan for his birthday to an interstate game every year. So um, we've done Sydney and Brisbane and Tassie plenty of times. We were at Adelaide over last year. Um, if it wasn't for Prinzi's wonderful suggestion of the Hawks Insiders, going next year, which would be unbelievable. Straight away, I'm saying that experience was amazing, but time to get to Optus Stadium. So obviously everyone's different. It'll be interesting to see in years three and four uh, how many repeat visitors they get. But the whole experience was incredible. Uh, The city was buzzing um, everyone was just happy everywhere from when you were at restaurants to um, we were at Airbnbs, but 
pubs, um, wherever you were, everyone was so kind and welcoming. AFL did it really well. There was free public transport all through the city, shuttles to Norwood uh, and back. Um, the AFL experience at the fan sites were incredible. Uh, Ethan and I went on Sunday morning to the site across from Adelaide Oval and there would have been close to 100 players from teams that had already played and, you know, they were just so genuine. They were also so happy to be there. Uh, he was able to chat to whoever he wanted to do drills with different footy players um, that the carnival atmosphere was absolutely magnificent. Um, we managed on the Saturday to go to Norwood for the captain's run. Uh, unfortunately, um, uh, the player's bus broke down on the way from the airport, which was the second time in three matches. Was it in Tasmania that it happened? Um, someone will know specifically, but same thing happened. Uh, bus broke down. So it took 45 minutes to an hour to get there. So we didn't stay for it. We decided to go to the double header that we were going to on Saturday. Um, but as we left Norwood, all of the players were coming off the bus. So Ethan got to high five them all. Um, it was interesting to see those players that would not make eye contact and just walk straight on past. And then those players who um, had absolutely as much time as, as you wanted. Uh, and, and you probably can guess who they are on both sides of that equation. But, you know, shout-outs to Luke Bruce and Jarman Impey who were happy for photos, to sign, to have a quick chat um, with with the dozen people who managed to, to find themselves outside near where the bus was. Um, the actual experience at the venue was incredible. Um, I am, I am too, I'm not old enough that I had that Glen Ferry experience, but grew up going to the Witten Oval, going to Victoria Park, going to, uh, Cadinia Park when it was, um, I mean, it's still a hole, right? But it was actually a less uh, swanky hole, I guess. Is that a is that a nice way to put it? Um, you know, where you're five, six, seven rows deep of people standing, um, and certainly at those venues, you're with full supporters from the other clubs. So this was a bit like that, but the opposite. I can only imagine this is exactly what Glen Ferry would have been like because you're just standing with hawks all over the place. So um, we were lucky enough to be part of the Guard of Honour to um, welcome the players coming onto the ground and running through the banner. So that was pretty amazing as well and Funnily enough, it was um, it was Punky and Jars again who were the two only players to give everyone high fives as they ran through. Bit of a common theme there. Then managed to make our way to Ash on the wing. Um, first game watching with Ash, which was also a wonderful experience. And yeah, except for 
the loss, I, I mean, the final siren was interesting. And again, uh, I'll stop rambling shortly, but to put it in perspective, the only time I've felt that way in terms of the the feeling at the ground is after a draw. And I, I mean, one of the greatest experiences I've had is the St Kilda Collingwood grand final draw and you look around and it's like silence and there's a few murmurings and no one knows what's going on and it was kind of like that like everyone was so disappointed and there was like this unsettling silence across the whole venue like it was just quiet but even that as an experience was um was Absolutely amazing and and definitely I would say that uh, Norwood, if we are there again next year, should be on as many people's agendas as possible. Um, it's just a wonderful ground to watch footy, a wonderful venue and, um, yeah, another one to put into the memory bank in terms of experiences uh, heading into state. So, um yeah, would love to hear from anyone else in the space tonight that might have been there. Um, thoughts on Norwood as a venue, um, thoughts on the experience for the round. Certainly feel free to jump in. Uh, but that's probably enough of my voice for some time. Um, we will move on from last week to look at this weekend. And we'll invite Brad to unmute his speaker as we talk selection dissection. Now, Brad, I'm not sure if you've got the full teams up there, but we did find out that Jack yep. Scrimshaw, Finn McGuinness and Max Lynch were in. I don't know if you've got the team up. Yeah, I've got it here. Yeah. The floor is yours. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. If you look at the extended bench, uh, as you mentioned, um, Scrimshaw, McGuinness uh, and Lynch have all been named. They're all on the extended bench. So the extended bench at the moment is Brocky, Lynch, Ward, McGuinness, Scrimshaw, Seamus Mitchell, Connor McKenzie, I'm sorry, Cam uh, McKenzie and Finn. So... It's going to be very interesting to see which four make it. You'd think Josh Ward is going to play. Uh, Lloyd Meek would be a little nervous. Uh, I might be harsh, but I think he's been very disappointing this year. So he might um, have a spell of box hill if Max, Max Lynch is picked. Um, obviously, Finn's there. I spoke about him before. Last year, he tagged Dawson and absolutely killed him. Dawson is at the moment the best player, you know, arguably the best player in the AFL. So I still think Connor Nash will get that role. I don't think we can play Finn in the same team as Connor Nash, especially if Long's going to play, which he is. He's named on the ball, actually. So it's an interesting one. I'd love to get other people's thoughts. I don't know what you boys think, Prinzi in particular. If Scrimshaw's fit, he's going to play. So. It's going to be interesting to see who goes out for Scrimshaw. Chad's obviously the other one he's been named. I don't think he's going to play. So, um, you know, who who comes in for him? Is it, you know, direct swap, you know, Wingard out, Scrimshaw in, and Mitchell shuffles the magnets a bit. Uh, Max Ramson obviously hasn't been named. He had a, another brilliant game for Box Hill. I thought, um, you know, he might potentially get a run. We still need that marking 
Keith Ward before Mitch Lewis hopefully comes back next week. Um, Ash and I have spoken about it a few times. Ash thinks Max Ramsden is a while off. He won't play till the back end of the year. So he's probably right. But yeah, selection this week is very interesting because I don't know who goes out if Jack Scrimshaw comes in. Prinzi, any thoughts? Well, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think somebody's going to be unlucky if they decide they want to bring Scrimshaw in, but maybe they bring him in and leave him as a sub. Um, you know, he's very versatile. He can um, sort of play tall or small. We've seen him go forward with a little bit of success as well. So he, he mightn't be the worst sub ever. I mean, it's still, it's harsh on Scrimshaw because I think he's best 22. But if we're awarding those who got the job done last week, maybe maybe he has to sort of earn his way back into the team. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Brad. I think this is incredibly an incredibly tough decision. My initial thought was, even though he was pretty good, I thought Ned Long... Uh, might be just sort of squeezed out and be unlucky, but he's been named on the ball. So yep. um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the team can change between now and tomorrow. We know that. Um, I'm with you. I don't think – I have a feeling Chad doesn't play. Um, and if Chad doesn't play, there's the decision made. I, I just think they've been incredibly careful, cautious, um, overprotective of Chad – all year, I, I can't see why. The, I know it's not a soft tissue, this one, but why they'd put him, you know, in there unless he's 100%. And, you know, I mean, if you've had a lacerated tongue and you've had stitches in your tongue, surely everything's swollen, everything's uncomfortable. It's not the best sort of condition to be playing football. Oh, absolutely. And obviously going down to Tassie as well. So bit of, you know, bit, bit, of, bit of travel involved. What's your thoughts on the Meek versus Max Lynch uh, selection. Who do you think they go with? Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good question, Brad. I mean, look, if we're talking about straight up form, um, they probably should go with Lynch. Um, I would one more week, to be perfectly honest. Um, I I'm a big fan of continuity breeds um, performance, and um, I think that the ability to just give opportunities and multiple opportunities before you burn a bloke um, is, is really important. I think Mick's got everything, but like we said in our player review pod, he just needs to get a little bit sort of a bit angrier. He's a bit, he's a bit too nice. Um, And if he can get a bit angrier, clunk a few marks, smash a few packs, tackle some blokes, you know, and, and get a bit more of the footy. I think he adds that value. So um, yeah, that's what I'd be doing. Uh, Brad, are you still... Oh, no. It's, yeah, there was an issue with the mute button. No, I was just um, uh, wondering if uh, anyone had had any thoughts. I know, like, it's it's a really hard uh, week this week. And the good news is we saw in the uh, injury uh, report on Tuesday that Mitch Lewis is due to come back next week. But we'll obviously have to wait and see. Hopefully, he gets through, you know, the final training sessions this week because the last few times he's had a couple of setbacks. Uh, obviously, Scrimshaw's hopefully, you know, back as well. Um, our injury list compared to a lot of teams at the moment is actually quite strong. So hopefully in two weeks' time, we'll, we're, we're going to have our, you know, full list of plays to choose from. And we'll start to see guys like Cooper Stevens get a run. Josh Weddle probably can't be too far away. I know he hasn't set the world on fire at Box Hill, but it'll be good to see him get a run. I'm sure he'll play a few games, you know, in the you know the second half of this year. So, 
Uh, selection's interesting at the moment because we've actually got some pretty decent uh, depth. Uh, it's just yeah, going to be interesting to see who's um, Sam and the team uh, go with. So, Brad, you know, potentially putting this out there on the record will make me look like a fool, but I think you can probably break it down. And if we if we talk about some of the stuff we've just been talking about, fair to assume that one of Meek or Lynch plays and the other yep. doesn't, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, both so, won't play. Uh, Reeves is named as the starting rock, so it is one of Meek or Lynch. So then we're down to five left on the bench to choose from. If Chad doesn't play, would it be fair to assume that Brocky almost certainly would? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think even if Chad plays, Brocky has to play. I know kicked Brocky has been quiet the last couple of weeks, but I just think we saw what you know um, how good he was in his first game back against North Melbourne. He needs our continuity um, in his game. I think he's an important player. He's got uh, the, the X factor. So I think even if Chad plays, I think Brocky um, uh, plays as well. So Brocky in would be very, very difficult to drop Seamus Mitchell after his performance on the weekend. Yeah, I think Seamus gets um, another run. I think Prince is probably right. I think Scrimshaw would you know probably be uh, the sub. I think uh, McKenzie, unfortunately, I, I wrote him an article. I think it was uh, wasn't a great decision to make him the sub last week. I think he should, you know, be playing if he's you know he should be playing a full game at Box Hill. I get they rested him, but you know if someone copped an injury uh, early on, as we saw with Chad, you know he ended up playing the whole second half. Um, I think probably better for McKenzie to play full game at Box Hill. Um, I don't think Finn's going to play. I think they've just named him probably just to, you know, scare Jordan Dawson just a little bit. But I don't think Finn's going to play. So I think yeah, obviously one of Reeves or Lynch misses out. McKenzie and Finn will miss out as well. Um, I think Scrimshaw will be the sub, as Prinzy mentioned. So I think the bench will obviously be one of Lynch or Meek, Ward, Seamus Mitchell um, and Tyler Brockman. And we'll get to you shortly, Patrick. The only thing I could suggest, Brad, would be um, for McKenzie, and, and he had no impact when he replaced Chad, is um, I mentioned this on the, the player review pod, potentially the fact that, you know, it's interstate trips that bond the group together that obviously the benefits of him having gone together round could potentially extend to the fact that we're playing interstate again. So getting him on the plane, getting him on the bus at the hotel with all of the boys um, could be a pretty pretty important experience for him. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I can see. I can see you're probably right. Why he was the sub, you know, uh, last week was the right round for him travel, be part of uh, the team and get that experience. He was due uh, for a rest. I put in my article uh, last week that I thought they would give him uh, the week off. Um, and maybe, you know, we see uh, Joshy Ward's been uh, named on the extended bench as well. So, you know, he's been pretty good this season. I don't think he's actually been as good this season as he was last. He's probably got more of the ball this year, but I think last year he was actually better than he has been this season. Um, he might be due for a rest as well. Like, I think we forget that, you know, these guys are still quite young. Um, and, you know, five games in a row at AFL level as a midfielder, Josh has played solely as a midfielder. 
works really hard. He also might be due uh, for a rest. So it might be, you know, Ward might be uh, the sub and uh, McKenzie might play. Clearly rest to come into play over the next few weeks. Paddy, you got a question for the panel? I was just going to say, I've got a two observations from the gather round weekend and then a selection question. My observations were, one, I this would probably almost be better if Ash was here because I know he's big on that campaign, that Fox Footy had, uh, commentate, had a studio crew at every game at the ground and then Hawthorne got the in Melbourne studio. The second one was, I wonder if after the success of this, when Tazzy runs out, if we look at playing in regional Victoria like the Bulldogs do with Ballarat. And then the selection question I was going to ask was, do you think that they blood the all the draftees again for the second half of the year or will the tanking and slow start to the allegations and the slow start to the season scare them off doing that? Yeah, thanks for those questions. I think in terms of Norwood, I mean, it's clear that um, that Hawthorne have requested uh, for it to be their next home away from home in terms of the gather round side of things. Um, I feel like in terms of regional Victoria, there, there's been quite a few opportunities. And I mean, we've seen North, uh, travel to Ballarat and um, crowds be fairly small. I, I, I'm not sure. Ash, what Ash has suggested in the past is saying, well, let's pick another venue that we're going to have to go to anyway and use our contingent of Hawthorne supporters in those areas to build up a home away from home. So I know in the past he said we should do it at Optus and if we're playing a team that's not West Coast or Frio there, then the home ground factor is irrelevant. But then you draw on your big contingent of WA Hawks supporters, I guess similarly to what we saw at Norwood um, and the very strong number of SA Hawks fans that we've got there. So, um, yeah, not so sure it's something that we're going to see from a regional point of view. Um, in terms of the selection stuff, Brad, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's an interesting point Paddy uh, raises. I think I don't think Sam cares what people think on the outside. Um, we saw last year, you know, most of the first-year players, you know, uh, got a run. I think the same thing's going to happen this year. It's going to be quite exciting at the back half of the year uh, in the race for the Wooden Spoon for Harley Reid. Unfortunately for us, or fortunately some might say, because will probably win more games than them. But I reckon the West Coast Eagles are in a world of pain. And I actually reckon they're going to win uh, the Wooden Spoon. Um, I think we're going to see all of Ramsden, Hustwait, uh, hopefully O'Sullivan, Bennett's get a game each. Um, I think Ramsden and uh, Weddle will play a few games in the back half of the year. Um, Hustwait's uh, the other one that will get a run. Obviously, we're not going to be in finals contention. So a lot of players that you know, would need surgery at the end of the year will probably be put in sooner rather than uh, later. So, Paddy, I think we will see a lot of the, you know, first-year players play, uh, which will be quite exciting because, you know, there's a lot of talent there um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, a forward line with hopefully Ramsden and Lewis, uh, Weddle on a wing, um, Henry Husswade across half-back and in the midfield. 
O'Sullivan and Bennett's at up forward, playing that you know, high half forward role, small forward role. So, yeah, I reckon they'll all play. I think Sam doesn't listen to the outside uh, noise. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting. Round 10, we play West Coast down in uh, Tassie. So, they might, you know, we'll probably, that will probably be labelled the Harley Reid uh, Cup heading into that game. We will um, get onto the Harley Reid and some of the trade uh, hypothetical questions that I've got for for Prinzi when exploring that West Coast Hawthorne game that you mentioned, Brad. But before we do, um, long-time listener, certainly not first-time contributor, Whitey, welcome to this evening's space. Good evening, boys. How are you going? A couple of things. Just, yeah, we see, listen to you. We, um, we went up to Canberra to watch the NRL game and Ben and I, come, my son and I come back and watch the game and go, no, no. We're going next year. Once they said we'd heard it, there was three years. So we got home and we've started already planned it. We just need to know the dates now and we'll be off and going, I reckon. But um, from the game, there's a couple of things that come out from the game was um, exactly what Darren said and I've been saying for weeks. The difference was a full forward. Their two full forwards beat us and one of them saves the game but wins the game in, in space of two and a half minutes. The other thing was... Um, Something come up in one of the other podcasts, and I, we keep using when everyone's fit. When we get Willie Will Day back next week, every, we be, we keep putting um, um, uh, Joy and um, and um, Warple in the four. Warple. Oh, he's, he's dropped out. out. Yeah. Let Let's preempt that question. Obviously, we put. Uh, he talked about Day coming back in. At, we've been putting. Uh, Nukes and Warple in the forward line. It actually blends into the next question I've got for all of you around our midfield at the moment and our midfield really being uh, the highlight of each of our lines throughout the first five rounds of the season. Um, Warps, Connor Nash, Jai Newcomb, Will Day pre-suspension, where it's really interesting because Brad, certainly over the last 18 months that we've been going with Hawks Insiders, we've been talking about how our midfield's been our biggest issue, needing to hit the draft and get good midfield talent in, not having enough good midfield talent. And and now you mentioned before Huthwaite and Weddle, who we haven't even seen yet, getting the look at Long together with all of those guys. Um, our, our midfield seems to be uh, what's holding us together at the moment. Absolutely, and it's interesting because our midfield last year was ranked uh, 18th uh, for clearance, and I'm pretty sure we're number one in the AFL this season, and that's despite having two of the poorer uh, rucks in the AFL. So we've drafted incredibly well the last three years and built our uh, midfield, which is interesting because obviously... Uh, Harley Reid at number one is, you know, going to be that generational type of midfielder. It's going to raise a lot of questions, which I've seen being asked. If we do finish last and another club offers us, you know, two first rounders this year and one next year, do you take it for Harley Reid? Because unfortunately, our forward line and back line, key position wise, I know DGB's coming through and we've got to be patient. But other than Mitchell Lewis, we don't really have much up forward. And we really don't have a quality key position defender at the moment. So it's interesting. But the midfield's turned around brilliantly, and that's what annoys me when the media talk about 
the O'Meara and the Mitchell uh, debate, why did we get uh, rid of them? And I get the experience side of things, but you just have to look at the stats. And our midfield's actually been really good this year. Why did, did we get the essence of uh, what you were going to say and unfortunately dropped out at the end there? Now, I don't know where I got up to, but I was mainly just saying about, um, I mentioned the forward, not we've spoke about that, but the um, the one of the things was Will Day playing resting forward rather than play. We rest soon to rest Joy and um, and Warple forward, but Day's a, ta- a taller and a stronger mark above his head because we're struggling in the forward line. When we need to rest Day, rather than benching him, can we rest him in the forward line and give us a better target? And one other thing, you were there on. Can someone explain to me how Whitfield wasn't called for holding the ball halfway through that last third quarter when we were on a roll, but um, CJ was called for holding the ball late in that third, late in the last quarter? Fair dinkum, watching it on TV live, I couldn't understand either of them. Whitey, I'm certainly not the person you should uh, be asking questions of in terms of umpiring because I will absolutely be on your side. The inability to get a holding the ball decision when you execute the perfect tackle is so, so frustrating. Um, in, in terms of the Will Day comment, there's an interesting um, point raised from Mick uh, thanks for the comment, Mick, who who said Norwood actually suited us because you don't necessarily need your midfield unit to have enormous leg speed because of the size of the ground, um, which I think is is a a reasonable comment, and I think that's potentially what Will Day offers. Um, he's got a totally different element to what the the combination of Nash, Warple and Newcomb offer in the middle. And I think you need that, which is why, you know, the rotation of the entire unit's pretty important. But uh, after the first few rounds, personally, I don't know how the rest of you guys feel. I think that Dave's got to come back and play in the middle. Absolutely. I agree. I see where Whitey's coming from. And you know that I've spoken about it. And I see Will Day very similar to Nat Fife at the Dockers, who we now know, you know, plays as a forward for them. His career, unfortunately, is coming to an end. But I see them as very similar type of players, and I get it why it's frustrating where we see Warple, who, as a midfielder, has been really good. But when he plays that half-forward role, I don't get it because his disposal's terrible and he doesn't kick goals. Jai, on the other hand, you know, sets up goals. He can kick a goal as well, so I can see it. But Without us having that forward to kick to, it does make sense. But Day's actually been our best player uh, this season and as a midfielder. So, you know, I think that an argument works both uh, ways there. We will move on because time is slipping away. Uh, Daz, I want to ask you, as our um, renowned... Uh, apparel sponsorship <laughs> branding guru. Oh, uh, yeah, well, you, you know, well-deserved title. Um, talk us through the Anzac Day jumper. What do you think? Do you like it? Um, no doubt the AJs and Numos of the world have already got the long and short sleeve versions 
from the shop? Is it something you'd buy? Is it something that inspires you in terms of playing in that top on the weekend? Whew. Question without notice, that's for sure. Uh, would I buy it? No. I don't tend to buy jumper. I'm not a jumper guy. I'd probably buy the VFL, <laughs> the Box Hill Hawks long sleeve jumper to, just to be ironic. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a really respectful design. Um, does anyone actually have an opinion on it? I mean, I'm, I, 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 it looks like an Anzac Day, Anzac Day jumper to me. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, I think I think that's all you're going to get from me, Wacy. I'm sorry, I don't have a. I don't know. Maybe I should have asked you. <laughs> I don't have strong we, opinions uh, on Hawthorne jumpers. We need to remember how anti ISC and sketches Daz is before we throw these questions to him. Um, <laughs> uh, it, but hey, that's gen- irrelevant. <laughs> general merch, general merch on your guy, but um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's good. It's good. It, good job. It is a be- no, no, noted, Daz. It's not going to stop us throwing these questions to you, but thanks anyway. <laughs> Prinzy, what do you think? It's a cracker of a jumper. I mean, I, I, like, I'm not a huge... I think the last jumper I bought, I think I've said this before and copped some heat for it, the last jumper I bought was a Dale Garlett um, Hawthorne jumper. So <laughs> that was short-lived. And since then, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to buy anymore. So, um, yeah, I buy them but i really love the design of it i think it pays respect to the anzacs it's it does it in a classy way it also does it in a way that still sort of as much as possible keeps the traditions of our jumper and um and yeah for those who who love you know purchasing all of the various um jerseys that that the hawks have um this is one to add to the collection because it's really well made um, one that I will consider buying is when they bring out that retro one. If the the gold and the blue and the brown diamonds have won it, no chance. I will buy that for sure. Oh, I will buy that too. I mean, that is that is the jumper. To I would too. But uh, do we think that they're uh, smashed it in the poll results? That, uh... Smashed it in the poll results. So who knows? Everyone wants that jumper. That is the that's the ugly Christmas jumper of uh, of Hawthorne, and everyone wants it. So, if we know that the club listens in sometimes, and I hope they listen to this it tomorrow and make it happen, absolutely fly out the door. You couldn't make enough of it. If not, I, I will make. I will. I will get them made offshore and and, <laughs> and sell them outside and sell them outside uh, uh, the G the next time we're there in what nine weeks or something. <laughs> You you got to feel for John Platten because I reckon every single time there's either an article or if you Google worst AFL jumpers of all time, it's the picture of him in the jumper. I'm not sure that any other picture exists with the player wearing it, but um, yeah, I, I think I'd get that one as well. Um, now Matt's been holding. Matt, you've got a question or a comment for the crew? Yeah, just got a comment. Uh, Going on from what was uh, being said before about the midfield, um, just wondering if uh, Mitchell's got sort of a couple of different game plans or mantras, one for games that he thinks we've got a chance of winning in and one for games where he doesn't really expect that we've got a chance of winning, where he's trialling and experimenting players in different positions against playing all the best midfielders in the middle for the majority of the time, which... It really seemed particularly obvious uh, in the most recent game against GWS, where he 
had nuke warps and Nash through the middle really the majority of the time and didn't play them as the high half forwards. I'm going to so jump for in those of you, oh, sorry, we should, yeah. Can I jump in and answer? I, I actually think um, that this is something we absolutely miss talking about in the player review, the post-game player review pod. And I think you're absolutely right, Matt. Um, there is serious validity around when do you experiment with midfield rotations and when do you get the Cam McKenzie's and the Josh Wards and the Connor McDonald's and Dylan Moore and those guys through the middle? Um, and when do you just stick with your tried and trues? And I reckon you're absolutely right. I think there was a combination of factors of Norwood and the ground size and the compactness of it, um, which suits the bigger bodies that maybe don't move as well from contest to contest. Um, and also the fact that we were a red hot crack if we won the clearances um, in, in a game against the Giants. So I think that's a, a, an incredibly good observation. And I would not be shocked at all if there was a lot of truth to it. Well, my observation um, is that potentially, Matt, are you Damien Barrett in disguise? Are you <laughs> no, no. tanking in games and, and not necessarily uh, putting our best midfield combination forward every game? Is that is that what you're suggesting? I don't think it's tanking at all. I think it's very smart play. No, I, I agree. Uh, this is the time over the next 60, 70, 80 games to try every single combination, give everyone a feel in different environments against different opposition to see, yeah, uh, yeah what the best game plan is, plan is moving forward. Something else you've got? Uh, yeah, uh, just another point that I think people have been a bit harsh on Sicily. Um, he's not a key defender um, and he's giving away often 8 to 10 centimetres in height and 5 to 10 kilograms. Um, against his um, key forwards, and then we still expect him to be the best rebounder and have all, all the play go through him, whilst he's also um, being a new captain in a very young team. Have I missed something? Who's being harsh on Sicily? Um, oh, just a lot of comments through social media and stuff. Not necessarily you guys, but there's been a lot of comments on social media that, um, Sicily hasn't been playing well. And, my dad, and my dad's very so. harsh. My dad's very harsh from James Sicily for those reasons. But I, I agree with everything that you said, Matt. He's 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 a, a naturally uh, intercept defender. Reads the footy so well. Uses it. Is the quarterback of our team. And when he's asked to play a, a defensive role on a on a big key forward, I think that's not really getting Sis at his best. He does a yeah, he does a pretty good job. I agree. He does a pretty good job, and but I, that's why I think Scrimshaw comes in the side. And, and you know, look, it's not Scrimshaw's sort of game either, but he, he does he does offer that that sort of more defensive um, foil to to Sis, and, and and I feel like we're a better side when 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 Scrimshaw you know, well, from the, we're set up better in the back line anyway when Scrimshaw's back in. I also think, yeah. uh, you know... I actually Harry Himmelberg showed exactly what we were missing. As a key forward. Absolutely. Oh, and Hogan too. I mean, Hogan was clunking absolutely everything that came into that forward line. And I actually felt for DGB, he slipped over, which allowed Himmelberg to, to get to the footy in, the, in, that, in that, that sort of frantic final final couple of minutes. So who knows what would have happened if, if DGB would have... Uh, 
kept his footing. But um, yeah, it was that was the stark difference between the sides on the day. Thanks a lot, Matt, for those comments. Patrick, you had another comment before we get to Mick. I was going to say, I don't know if you mentioned before, uh, Ash didn't help our tanking discussion, but I was going to say, I'm sorry to AJ, but has there been any bigger downgrading sponsorship um, styling than the uh, Tasmanian one? Also, I would love to see them bring back the Big Hawk and maybe put it with a yellow background. I reckon that would look good in the future if they were ISC, if they they can get the copyright back. Yeah, well, I think uh, first thing, the, the very fact that they're happy to bring back some nostalgic Guernseys and let us vote and, and the fact that they're going to bring one back is a good sign that they're open to be able to doing any of that and... Um, in terms of the sponsorship point of view, uh, oh, the number of announcements, the number of sponsors from all facets within the club um, that we've seen over the last 12 to 18 months, I think the commercial department are doing an incredible job. So uh, certainly my personal opinion is that there's no need to question what's going on there uh, because... Uh, the the sponsorship announcements keep coming through thick and fast. Some uh, a little quirkier than others, but um, they're doing a great job. Mick, thanks for holding. No, you're right, guys. Just back to the previous one about the midfield attendance. What I'm not sure people have picked up, but Nash has been, I think, second or third most attended in the last couple of games in terms of centre square attendances, and that then throws out the balance with Warple, Day, Newcombe. So you've only got two spots to fill between those three. Um, and I don't think they've worked that balance out as yet, um, you know, which makes a real pressure for particularly Warple and Newcomb going forward as people have identified. But Nash, Nash's role in the last couple of weeks has sort of thrown that, that attendance issue out, I think. Yeah, I think that also spills into the, the comments around... Will Day, and then where does he fit in, and and how many uh, centre bounce attendances are you then taking off those three guys, and and who are you taking them off? But Nash's performance, I mean, Nash's big body was critical in the contest against the Giants, and over the last few weeks we've seen it, um, and it's just. I guess the question is, and and Mick, I'm going to ask you because you, you've had a couple of comments on it. And um, do you think that because a few weeks ago, some of us are ready to kind of write Connor Nash off in terms of that core midfield brigade? What we've seen in the last few weeks is that he is an essential part of it. Uh, he was unbelievable on the weekend. Does that help or hinder what we've got to do in terms of the rotation? And what do you think happens when Will Day comes back? Oh, I'm not sure. Can anyone... Put, my, put myself uh, on. Is that better? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, I think he's a help. I think I put it in the comments a couple of weeks ago. Clubs look at Play, supporters look at what their players can't do and opposition look at, look at what the other side can do. And that was said to me by a, a bloke who did some recruiting. Um, he said, you know, you've got to look at what your players can do. 
So Nash provides a path for the young fellas, particularly when Mackenzie goes into the centre, um, because it's really Nash and Warple and Newcomb are the three bulls in the centre. Nash's advantage is he's 197. He'll end up competing with Ned Long probably in the longer term in terms of that tall one. Against Geelong, he took Blixars when Blixars was playing in the in the middle, not as the Rackman, but as the, as one of their centre square attendees. So, you know, I think he has to play. I think, you know, again, being an Irishman, he's one of the few Irishmen that's played forward midfield as distinct from back midfield. You look at all the other Irish players, Tui, Keneally, uh, Keneally McKenna. Uh, McKenna, they've all come, Pierce Hamley, they've all played from back line forward. You know, Nash's development, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a rap for him. I've got to be, I'll be honest about that. And then how you work around him in terms of fitting the others with him. Um, I'm not saying he's the star by any means. Day's the star, uh, the potential star. But, you know, um, yeah, he's got a significant role to play, particularly, you know, more around the ground, particularly play in against the Swans game. If you remember, he knocked a couple of blokes over. We were getting pummeled, but he kept throwing his body in and gave us space, particularly in that last quarter. Um, so, yeah, he's got a definite role to play. You know, my, and just a really tough call. And so I mentioned earlier, Himmelberg was on his own on the back line, on, the, you know, on, on that um, kick from Impey. Who was with him? You know, there's, yeah. a learning, there's a learning experience. Now, whether, now, admittedly, we had the one spare to turn it back over to get it back to Impey to get the kick forward. But again... At that time of the game, do you just man up? Everybody gets a man and go forward because there's no, you know, you lose by eight points as soon as you lose by two points. It doesn't really matter. 100% that will surely be identified in the tapes. Why isn't there anyone at least there shepherding or providing some sort of support down there deep forward? Daz, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say I agree with you, Mick, on Connor Nash, and I think he's he's really so important and offers so much versatility around the ground. For me, he it, it's interesting to see Finn name because I think he did an incredible job of tagging Green um, uh, for GWS in in, in, in that um, in that second half and really limiting his impact, but then winning the footy the other way and and offering a lot as well offensively. And I think that's the difference between uh, Connor Nash to me and Finn McGuinness is, is that Nash actually can play multiple roles and Finn is an incredible tagger, but it's the other parts of his game that, that just um, kind of let it, letting him down at the moment. Indeed. Thanks a lot, Mick. I think even bigger question out of that is like they can all play that inside ball role but they can't all do it at the same time. So where are they playing further around the ground? Hence the ex- experimentation with Nuke and Warps up forward to be providing value where because you can't play them all in the middle all the time. Especially, Mick, you said it perfectly, Will Day's the star. When he comes back, you're going to need that flexibility too. So with that in mind, we've gone over... Um, it's amazing what happens when Ash isn't here to steer the ship. Uh, apologies for um, for that little oversight running over time, but it's so good to have some great comments, feedback um, and, and questions from all of you guys. 
Thanks very much, everyone who's joined us in the space and everyone who listens through all podcast providers. Uh, please keep tuned to the Substack. Plenty more good stuff coming, including I mentioned something special happening tomorrow that should drop over the weekend. Hope everyone enjoys the game on Sunday and hopefully the Hawks can get it a win. Again, thanks to everyone for your support. Have a great evening and we will catch you next time. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.